Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the physical, financial, and human side of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we are talking about growing your practice with Dr. Mike Pownell. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Decra Veterinary Products. Mike Pownell, DVM MBA, is a Canadian-based veterinarian and a partner in Oculus Insights. That company is focused on helping veterinarians and other members of the animal health care industry improve their businesses. Thank you, Dr. Pownell, for joining us today to talk about growing your practice. Thank you for the invitation. It's a subject I really love talking about, so I look forward to this. Well, and I know from past podcasts with you and, and discussions and articles, this could be a podcast that would last all day, but we're going to narrow it down and try and give some take-homes to our veterinary listeners about the three topics that you think are most important. Know your customer, know what they value, and offer it. So let's talk about knowing your customer. What does that mean and how do you do it as a veterinarian? So um, one of the challenges that many uh, businesses have and it's not just veterinary businesses, but most businesses that we're always looking at, well, what's the competition doing? What's, what are they doing? Oh, they're offering this. We should offer this. And we, we end up, you know, sort of com, uh, competing against our, our colleagues instead of going, well, what do our customers want? Maybe what our, our competitors are offering are of no value to our, our, our customers. And so when I say to know your customers is regardless if you're a English sport horse or cutting horse practice or a breeding practices, understand what um, your customers, what, what they actually want out of this. And it sounds really simple to say, well, yeah, they want a sound horse or they want a baby or what have you, but really getting to understand what your, horse, what your clients want and, and what they're trying to get out of the whole veterinary relationship is, is critical. Uh, there's a great researcher from, uh, uh, from Harvard Business School, a professor of, of, of strategy and leadership, uh, the late Clay Christensen. And he has this concept called uh, uh, jobs to be done. And his idea was sort of like, you know, when people go to the hardware store and they're buying a quarter inch drill, they're not buying a drill. What they're buying is a quarter inch hole in the wall. Uh, the drill is a tool to get that hole in the wall. And so I think by understanding our clients and what they're trying to achieve. So, you know, and, it, and it's by that we start off with sort of segmenting our clients. So if you have a broad uh, practice and you have dressage horse riders, you have uh, hunter jumpers, and then let's say you had some Western horses or some, uh, you had a bit of a racetrack practice. Each of those want different things. You know, and so even if you're thinking about uh, you going to a dressage barn and you can have the owner of the horse and you can have the trainer of the horse, they there's a lot of overlap, but they want different things. And so understanding your customer is understanding that, you know, if the dressage horse owner, you know, they may want, you know, the best for the horse and they're happy to give it time off. And, you know, that that's really important. Whereas the trainer is like, well, I, I make money when I show and we go to horse shows. So what can you do, doc, to get this horse back to the show ring? That's how I make a living. And that might be in contrast to what the owner wants. Uh, and so balancing that, and, and that's just one example, but you know, that's an, ex you know, an idea of getting to know your customers. You know, you can have a, somebody that has thoroughbred racing horses or standard breads, they're going to want something totally different 
than a backyard pony. And so we, as vets, we kind of think that we, we tend to, and I'm just sort of, sort of going off a broad stroke right now, saying that everybody wants the same thing. They want a healthy horse, but yeah, but how they get there can be different. And when you're talking about knowing, I mean, there, there's a difference between assuming and knowing. How do you actually know instead of just assume in each of these segments or for each of these classes of horse owners what it is that they want the veterinarian interaction to be? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it, the easiest way, and I'll give it to you, give the answer, then the mechanism is you ask them. You know, really, it's as as obvious as you ask them. But what you know, what we do every year is we have a set list of questions, so everybody is being asked the same thing. And you know, uh, often I would go to each of our bigger clients, or you know, a wide representative of our clients, and that would be about thirty a year. And we'd we'd go for the horse owner. We'd go for the barn manager, maybe a lesson barn, or you know, they just do some lessons. And we'll go to a, you know, a show trainer and we go to all three of them and I'd say, Hey, do you have a half an hour, 45 minutes for me to come and visit with you? Um, and I'd show up with some coffee or a gift certificate to somewhere, Starbucks or what have you to show appreciation and respect for their time. And I would just sit there and I'd ask the same questions and there'd be questions like, you know, uh, as obvious of, you know, why did you start using our vet practice? What do you like about our practice compared to the other vet practices? Has there been a time where we have let you down? Um, are there things that you wish we offered that we don't? Um, very, you know, so you're trying to get some open-ended questions, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, and it's funny because we assume like, and, you know, so we always think the clients know what we, what we, what we sell. And I, and I remember the story is so vivid in my memory is that we had a client, a very well-known, uh, show jumper and every year, um, I'd say to him just as a hint, I'm not trying to be pushy. Um, Hey, if you ever, you know, want us to do teeth for your horses, dentistry, we're available. And he's like, no, 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 I'm using Dr. So-and-so. We have a great relationship. I'm like, 100%, I wouldn't say anything more. So every year, I'd ask the same thing. I kid you not, about seven years later, he goes, Mike, do you know anybody else that does dentistry around here? The guy we used to use, uh, we had a falling out. And I'm like, how many times did I have to, you know? So I was like, well, but of course I do. And so that's an example. You know, we just recently did this kind of questionnaire to our clients. And um, we have, we're a large practice. We have 14 vets. And I think between four and five of them do acupuncture and chiropractic. And we were interviewing a trainer. And I saw the note, saw the results of the questionnaire. And, and the one trainer said, you know, if, if, you, if you folks offered chiropractic and acupuncture, I would definitely use you. So it's, you know, so knowing your customer, knowing what they value. Um, I'll give you a great example. So um, one of the things we love asking people is what keeps you up at night or what is the biggest challenge being a horse trainer or owning a lesson barn? And I remember this vividly a few years back talking to a person and, you know, we're up in Toronto. The winter is our slowest time of the year. But it's also the time of year when we try to do a lot of our dentistries. Uh, helps keeps us busy over the winter. Helps with the cash flow during the winter. And I remember talking. And she, I think she had about 20 school horses, and she was like, "I would love to, 
get their teeth done in the spring, but or in the winter, late winter. But it's you know it's it's the slowest time of the year for us. I don't have the money. I can't afford it then. And it was like oh, so you know so you sort of get creative when you understand what's important. And I said, well, what if we gave you an option of paying over three months, like you know, like a payment plan? And she was like, that's amazing. Absolutely, let's do that. So again, that's the example of, yes, they, they, she wanted to do the best for her horses, but at the time of the year, she couldn't afford it. So it was just by asking them, it opened up a whole new opportunity for us to offer service that we never were able to offer before. So A, we're able to offer better medicine because these ponies weren't getting their teeth done at all, uh, and these school horses. And, and then we, we gave a solution that was really ideal for them. And so good for us, good for them, good for the horses. Well, and, and that's kind of segued into knowing what your clients value. You, you say you just ask them in some of these surveys and talk to them. But as you also kind of alluded to, sometimes they don't hear that message when, uh, you know, like the, the fellow with the dentistry, you know, it's like, you know, they value good dental work, but they didn't hear that you were offering it. So how... What, what is the way that you market yourselves to these clients and you let them know what services you have? Yeah, another great question, because one of the things we, we ask them, too, is, you know, do you follow us on social media? Where do you go to to get information about your horse's health? And, you know, so we find out horse owners, they've got time. Most of them live in the city. Internet is great. Um, so they're online all, all the time, looking up things, researching things. And, you know, for horse owners going on social media, making YouTube videos, how to things, what have you, they love it. Um, trainers, they're often in the country where the, where the stables are. Internet could be lacking. They're not always on YouTube or they're not spending the bandwidth to, to go online. And so we found out with the trainers is you, we can't rely on them to understand from Facebook what we're doing. So there we realize that they need more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And then it's up to the veterinarians when they go there, or even the technicians, if they have a relationship, to start talking about other things that we're doing. Hey, did you hear that, you know, Dr. So-and-so just got ISELP certified or, or what have you. Um, that's how you do it. Also, when you talk to trainers, they get most of their information at the horse show, sitting at the rails, watching the shows, talking to other trainers. And, and so that's another way of, you know, you, you've got to work, work more with word of mouth with them than, a, say, doing a Facebook post. So that's well, getting to know your customers. Yeah. And again, you know, understanding what they value. Sometimes I'm not sure that the owners actually understand because they may say, oh, I want you to, to keep my horse as healthy as possible and sound and all this. But then, like you said, they, they may have skipped the dentistry or they may have not included all the vaccines. I mean, how do you get them into the wellness mindset when that's the basis of why they say they want you to be there to help their horse? Yeah, we, we, you can, there's a cynical uh, side of me that sometimes you'll see people and they'll say, I'll do anything for my horse. And then there's like, unless it's going to cost me money. Um, and I think as vets, we've all seen that. But I, I think for those people, so I know we had a challenge here with uh, – lay dentists for a long time. We still do. They're out there. And, you know, we'd go in there and say, hey, we're going to put a speculum on and a light and we're going to be thorough. And they're like, oh, so-and-so is a tooth doctor. 
and you're just like banging your head against a stall like there's no such thing as a tooth doctor and we're trying to think like how do we show them what they should value because your point's really well taken they don't know what they should know sometimes and you know this is again where you have to get creative and i'm like okay what can we do as equine veterinarians that a lay dentist can do and i'm like okay what well yeah we can put a speculum on we can put a light all right so what we did is we offered uh this was at a, a boarding barn is that we were going to do a, d a dentistry demo and and in the evening and so what we did is we got a pony and and we knew that the lay dentist had been there in the last couple of months and it's amazing when you can open up a mouth and with a speculum on and the horse is sedated and you say come and feel this and they feel how sharp that that molar that cheek tooth is and all of a sudden they're like and it doesn't take them long to go oh yeah you know what that tooth doctor was just here and this thing's got a mouth like a shark and then all of a sudden they're like oh okay you know so literally we had to you know shine the light on this problem and show them that you're not you're, you know you can't get back there with just the hand float and hold it onto the tongue and all of a sudden they're like that that made them converts so, you know, good marketing, promoting your business, what have you, it's, it's, it's very much, of, you know, we got to get creative, but that's why when you have these discussions and then you can understand, okay, we want to get to point B, they're stuck at point A and they can't see how to get to point B, we often have to open the door for them and, and to show them the value. And when you're talking about offer it, well, that, that sounds simple, but that can range from hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment down to, as you mentioned, you have people who are certified in different aspects of horse care. I mean, how do you determine from a business standpoint what you want to offer? If, if your clients say, gosh, if you offered chiropractic or acupuncture, I'd use it. So does that make it worthwhile to pay to have someone certified or to bring in a certified vet? I mean, from a business standpoint. You know, that's that's a great point, because I think the one thing we try to do as vets is that we're generally people pleasers and we want everybody to be our clients and not everybody can be our clients. And, you know, there, you know, so you may be a sport horse vet and then you're going to have a client that says, can you breed my mare? And you're like, well, I could. I'm licensed to. I shouldn't because I haven't done it since my internship 20 years ago. And, you know, it's OK to say no and focus on what you do well. And maybe you refer them to somebody, a colleague that does great repro work and you know they're in great hands with this person. So I don't think we, we, we try to do everything. You know, if, you know, if you're focused on doing sport horse then it behooves you to make sure you're up on all the current uh, diagnostic tools, the new uh, orthobiologic therapies, what have you. Uh, similarly, if you're a repro vet, you know, you know stick in your lane and, and do a great job with it and be recognized for doing something really well too often we we just want to do everything and, and and sometimes it's hard because you know sometimes depending on where you are in the country there's not a lot of choice and you do have to sort of become a jack or jill of all trades but i i think that one of the key parts of, of promoting your business is knowing what you do well and what is valuable to clients and you know knowing the clients that you do you know you're great with I have seen um, too many people, I, this goes back about 10, 12 years when we had the Great Recession and, you know, a lot of vet practices were, were struggling. And I remember uh, one practitioner was a, was a thoroughbred uh, track vet. 
And, you know, their business really got hit hard and he started taking on some dressage clients and he's like, I hate it, Mike. I hate it. These people are so different from the trainers at the track. I don't know how anybody does it. And, you know, it, you know you're not going to have a long, satisfying, happy career doing that. And so luckily things turned around. Uh, so, you know, either one of two things is that you find the opportunities where you can do what you like to do and enjoy what you do and the customers are going to value it. Um, or you got to sort of, you know, grin and bear it because when, at that time when the going got tough, that's what they had to do. But that's where it comes down to knowing your clients. And when we talk about growing your practice, a lot of veterinarians are going to think it means more clients. And that really hasn't been what you've been talking about. It's about making more money happily from the clients you already have. But is there a way to expand? If, if you've decided you're a lameness or a sport horse or a repro vet, how do you get the word out to actually grow the number of people that you're serving? Decra Veterinary Products is proud to sponsor Equimanagement's The Business of Practice podcast. Decra's equine product line includes Osphos, Clotinate Injection, Orthocon Vet IRAP 10 and 60, Osteocon PRP, Equidone Gel, Thumperidone, the Vetivex line of parenteral fluids, Vicox EQ Joint Supplement, and a comprehensive line of topical dermatologic products. The recent addition of Zymeta, Diaperone Injection, further expands Decra's equine offerings. For more information about Decra's products, please visit decra-us.com. Well, yeah, so there's a lot of tactics. And I think just if I want to take a step back, because I think there's a key thing that I, I over I, I over missed, I didn't talk about, is that is, you know, when you're really trying to promote yourself, there's, you know, so one is you want to get new clients. So introduce yourself to new clients, and this is what you're talking about right now. But, you know, it's your existing clients that are really your biggest resource for growing your business. And the way you can do that is either get them to spend more or get them to spend more often. And so to get them to spend more, so that's what I'm saying. If you're a sport horse that have the full wide array of things you can offer, uh, because if, if they're going to, you know, if they're using you for the lameness diagnosis and injections, what have you, but then they're using somebody else for chiropractic acupuncture, well, that's something that you could do. And it's probably better that, you know, you know everything. You've done the diagnosis. You've seen the x-rays. You know how the horse moves. You've got a whole history. You know, your team should be taking care of all of that performance stuff. Then it's like, well, how do you get them to uh, spend more frequently? Well, that's sort of tied into the same way of that. If you're doing more, you know, maybe you're going out twice a year to do sort of a lameness workup, but you may go out more often to do a chiropractic adjustment or acupuncture, what have you. Uh, and, and so there's a, they, they spend more with you more frequently. So that's how you're going to grow your business. Now, to come back to your point of how do you get yourself known to new people, well, I said, you know, it's a lot of what we do is word of mouth, but there's a reason why companies like, you know, McDonald's and Coca-Cola have remained strong brands over the years is they're, how is, I don't want to be, they're, they're, they're always in front of you. You know about them, you see about them. So I think, you know, if, you, if you're a practice and you're trying to look for new people, there's a lot of correla uh, uh, correlation and causation of the more you promote yourself, the more people are aware of you, 
the more likely when they when it comes along a year from now, two years from now, and they've had a bad experience with their existing vet, and they're going, I wonder if there's somebody else I should try. They know about you, you know. And it might take in two or three years, and it may, and but all it's there, and you're, you know. So there's there's two kinds of promotions uh, or, or marketing for a business. There's long term creating the ban- the brand or your reputation. Or there's the hey we're having a you know wellness specials or we're doing a dentistry special special which is more immediate, but the long term branding is is probably the most significant because you, you're building up uh, a client base over time you're building up a reputation um, things change in the industry and it and it'll just take you know it always happens you know. All of a sudden, five years, they're like, I've been hearing about you guys, and I like my vet, but lately, uh, you know, they're not showing up for emergencies, or they're on vacation a lot, or uh, I think they've lost a step. And it's like, you know what, I think I'm going to try you, because they know about us. Yeah, and when you mentioned before, I've I've, uh, been sitting in and, and watching when business presentations are going on, and I've heard veterans say, yeah, I, I would like to get in front of my my clients more often, but I'm lucky to get there once or twice a year to do shots. And they say that's not what the owners want. But if you sit and think about horse owners, how often are they seeing their farrier, for example? Every and four to that, six weeks. Excuse me? Every four to six weeks. Yeah. So how do veterinarians help their owners understand that the more often they see the horse, the quicker they can get in front of something that that owner might not have noticed. Cause there's been a lot of research studies that have let had horse owners look at horses and then have those same horses uh, have veterinarians and experts look at them. And it's like 80% of the owners miss things like a lameness. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of ways of doing it. One is, you know, it, it's we have found the most effective way to promote our services to our clients is by uh, newsletters. I mean, we do digital newsletters, and it's amazing because you'll sit there and do a newsletter, you know, promoting dentistry or talking about lameness or what have you, and I guarantee you, like the next two weeks afterwards, we see a spike in, in those services because it, it reminds people all the time. Like, oh, yeah, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. So something like a newsletter. You know, just being consistent on Facebook or Instagram with posts, uh, making people also realize, yeah, you know, my horse has been dragging that right hind toe for a little bit. Yeah, maybe we should be having somebody out there. Um, So that's one way. The other way is, you know, if you have a large barn or a large stable, you know, you could talk to the trainer, talk to the barn owner and say, hey, as veterinarians, and just let me take a step back, the only thing we have to sell is our time. And so if we could sit there and say to a barn, hey, we'll show up the first Monday of every month. If you can line up 10 or 15 horses for us just to run our hands over, you know, we're going to waive the call fee. And, you know, usually we charge $80 to do this and we'll do it for 70 or 60. Uh, I don't like, I don't like discounting professional services, but you know, if you can see 10 horses in three hours, as opposed to six horses over the, over the day, and you're having to drive all the way to them and, and unload your equipment, load it back up again, you're much further ahead by, you know, using your time better. You know, and I think, you know, that's one of the things of our practice. Some of our vets do a lot of racetrack work and boy, you can do a lot 
in, in, in two hours than opposed to driving for half an hour, looking at a horse, driving 45 minutes the next way, looking at a horse. You know, as ambulatory vets, it's, it can be very inefficient how we use our times. Yeah, and you mentioned McDonald's earlier. You, you've become the drive-through, and they know when you're going to be there, and they, they yep. know that, you know, what they want you to look at. So, and there's always the while you're here, Doc, you know. 100%, folks. yeah, for sure. You know, and, you know, we learned that uh, several years ago, uh, we started doing a dental promotion, and we did it in February, sort of uh, on the coattails of Companion Animals and Dental Month. And February is always the slowest month of our year. And, and um, we started offering no-call-fee dentistries. And and that, you know, everybody's looking at us like, well, that's going to be significant. You know, you're going to lose that call fee. Well, what we found out over, if we looked at that month, is our sales were way up at a very slow time of the year. Um, we were able to do, I think our dentistries went up 70% that month. Um, but the, the while you're here, docs, almost balanced out what we lost on call fees. Just because, okay, oh, look at the skin, or while you're here, can, let's, can we look at the teeth, or not the teeth, but can you look at this bump or what have you? Uh, it was great, and, and it, that has become so popular with us that we've, over the years, have had to expand that in over two months because we couldn't get it all done in February. And then we thought we were going to cannibalize the work that we were going to do in May and June in our busy time of the year. But what we found is that it actually left more time in the day for the vets to do other things because they had... You know, dentistry is one thing you you know it's it, you know it's it's not as time sensitive, for example. Yeah. So if we can do it in February when we're not crazy busy at horse shows, that meant when it was horse show season, we could be around to be more focused on horse shows, and we could do all the extra stuff like making sure we did every ultrasound that we wanted to and the X-rays that we wanted to because we had more time in the day, and it worked. The customers were happy because the horses were getting their attention. The horses were sounder. The trainers were happier because the horses were at the show ring. So it was win-win for everybody. Yeah. Well, is is there anything else, uh, Dr. Pownell, that you would like to discuss when it comes to growing your business and understanding that you could spend all day talking about this? Yeah, I think there's a concept. I think, you know, when I did my MBA in one of my marketing classes, this professor was talking about this. and It, was, it really crystallized things for me, especially in the vet sphere. And so we talk about upstream and downstream value. And upstream value is like, you know, it's where everything starts. And so that that gets you to open up your doors as the vet practice. So that says everything from your vet, your education to the truck you drive, the equipment you have purchased, the medication you have. I mean, those are just things you need to be in business. Downstream is our interaction with the clients. And, um, you know, that's the customer service. That's educating the clients. That's letting the clients see the value of what you're doing. And as veterinarians, too often we focus on upstream. We figure, well, I, I've got this education. I've got the most, I have the latest ultrasound, the best uh, DR. And that's great. We should have that. Clients don't know the difference. And so you look at the website of many vets and, you know, one of the things they'll have is an aerial of their practice or all their vehicles lined up and clients, it's nice. And clients look at it and go, wow, it's nice. But what they want to know are the people and they want to know the interactions. They want to develop the relationships, you know? And so, you know, the other thing is that you see all these pictures of practices and they'll show, you know, somebody deep and engrossed in a surgery and you have no idea who they are because they're all scrounged up and they got a mask on. 
And what people want are the people they're going to be working with. And they don't care how many um, letters you have after your name. They want to know that you're going to show up on time, that you care about them and their animal, and you want to do the best by them. And I think that's what we got to be focusing more on those relationships, those interactions, that downstream value, uh, because most clients really can't differentiate between what gets us to open up our doors. Yeah, and just a, a little tip on what you just said. If on your website, the first picture that people see has no human beings in it and no horses in it, you might need to go back and address that. 100%. I remember once when we launched our website, somebody came to me. I was on a conference. They're like, oh, I saw your website. It's amazing. I'm like, oh, thank you. And they're like, everybody's smiling. It was so welcoming. I'm like, well, that's who we are. So they're like, yeah, but most practices you look at, A, as you said, there's no people. Or they're not smiling, you know, very serious. We're doing serious veterinary work here. No, they want to see us smiling and that we're good people. Yeah. So, well, this has been wonderful. Thank you for all these tips and insights on growing your practice. I, I know that uh, there's some good takeaways in here that folks can take home with them. So thank you very much, Dr. Powell, for joining us today. Absolutely my pleasure. And as you said, we could be talking all day about this. We've just scratched the surface, but I hope I hope that your listeners here got some tips and they can go on from there. Well, and thank to our audience for joining us for this Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Decora Veterinary Products. We invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher, to hear each episode of the Business of Practice. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can send them to me in an email at kbrown at aimmedia.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC. 